You know, for all the time and energy that we put into fussing over the offense, you'd think that we had the other side already figured out. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. It's Steelers versus Bengals, Sunday, 425 p.m., contrary to what it says on your original schedule because it got flexed out of a nighttime game, at Akershire Stadium. And I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to this one as much as any all season. Not because I'm looking for further proving grounds on this or that or whatever, whether or not it meant something that they beat New Orleans I'd love to find out once and for all what it was exactly that happened in the first half of that game in Cincinnati. Because I can't be convinced that that was some kind of mirage. I can't. I can be convinced, and the Bengals have been talking about this all week in Cincinnati, by the way, that they weren't ready. That's something that I talked about at the time. There's no point in denying that, whether it was because Zach Taylor didn't have their main guys participating in enough preseason snaps, or whether it was a Super Bowl hangover, whatever it is that you want to call it. But I do know that what the Steelers did, their part of it, was real. There's no way that it wasn't. I also know that it wasn't all T.J. Watt, which I think is something else that maybe occasionally I've convinced myself of, and I shouldn't have. T.J. makes everything go with this team. I don't think that can be disputed. There are certainly more than enough numbers to support the concept. But everyone on that field was making a massive difference on the defensive side, and T.J. wasn't even the Steelers' best player that day. Remember who it was? Right. It was Minka. And actually, it was Minka Fitzpatrick by a pretty broad mile, as I recall. There was so much that went so right for the Steelers' defense that a lot of us, and I'm no exception to this one either, had to eat a little bit of crow because it was Mike Tomlin that had been telling us all through the summer and into the preseason and everything else here that he expected this defense to be dominant. That was the term, dominant. That's not a small thing. That's not something that you blurt out just to get everybody pumped up or whatever. That's something that you say if you think that there's even a reasonable chance that it could be true. That's your expectation. You Notice Tomlin never said he expected the offense to be dominant. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. See, here's the thing. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it again. I, I, I don't need to see... What was it? Five, four picks and seven 
sacks. Is that right? Four picks and seven sacks. Totally insane. And you're not going to see it again. Burrow's actually been joking about it this week. Joe Burrow has out in Cincinnati at the Bengals practices saying, hey, listen, you know, we're going to be better than that. I'm definitely not throwing four picks again. Okay. That's fine. You can still put on quite a defensive show without having those kinds of numbers. And more than anything, I'd, I'd like to see the Steelers find some kind of equilibrium on that side of the ball so that we can make the best possible judgments moving forward about who these guys are and what we think the Steelers should do in terms of addressing them up to and including the draft. In my head at the moment, when I think of the defensive side of the ball and I think of needs, it it seems like it's mostly long-term. Like I'd love to have... If I had my way, if the Steelers get themselves a decent spot in the first round of the draft, I would like to see a defensive lineman. And maybe that's just the old school Steelers uh, guy in me. You know, that everything needs to be built off of Mean Joe Green's big shoulders. You know what I mean? You got to have somebody. You got to have a lot of somebody's up front. And it's been a long time since the Steelers have invested on either side of the trenches. So that, that's my leaning there. But to what extent can DeMarvin Leal become a guy? Is this going to become a need maybe earlier than we thought because Cam Hayward will decline? That kind of thing. I also obviously would strongly take a look at the inside linebacker position, if only because it seems that you're not going to have an answer there next to Miles Jack. I really like Jack. And that guy is going to fit in with the Steelers for quite some time to come. But Devin Bush, you know, you're bringing him back. Is is he going to be any kind of impact guy? Is he even somebody who could step up and become a guy? Someone you would keep as a guy, if he were able to overcome the stigma of being that first rounder that you traded up to get at number 10 overall, he might be someone else's a guy, but I don't think he can be that in Pittsburgh. I think that's asking too much of him, not physically and performance wise. I'm just talking about mentally. If he goes somewhere else and the fans and uh, even the people within the building don't think of him as the guy who was supposed to be the guy, then he can just be a guy. See, this is why you listen to this show for that level of football analysis. And of course, there's no harm in looking at the secondary, particularly at the corner positions and bolstering those. But again, to what extent? Let's see the defense line up against this challenge in this situation and in this setting. And again, they don't need to be dominant, but do something, get the job done. Let's see where they stand. When we come back, J1Q.
back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garvin, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated Super Lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Zach, who asks, DK, how and when will we know if Kenny is, oh no, The guy. I swear this is a complete coincidence. (laughs) Continuing with Zach's question, I'm not asking for some prophetic answer. More along the lines of when it's safe to say that a guy can be a franchise quarterback and how teams in the past have realized. Love the show and appreciate all the thought-provoking content. I appreciate the kind words, Zach, especially the way we're clearly on the same wavelength today. Kenny's a different category here. Uh, You yourself might have just given away your own answer within the question by saying, when will we know that he's the franchise quarterback? Well, what do you think constitutes a franchise quarterback? Does it have to be someone who will hold down the position for almost two decades and get into Canton on the first ballot? Because that's, using the Mike Tomlin term, That's the standard that was just set. If we're waiting for Kenny to become Ben or even half of Ben in terms of Ben's length of accomplishments, then I dare say that that's a little unfair. Uh, The term generational gets thrown around a lot and loosely, but it applies when it comes to Ben. Ben was the quarterback for quite literally an entire generation of Pittsburghers. That's not something that we're going to see again for a while. Instead of looking at Kenny as having to show us that he's a franchise quarterback like now, just so that we can, uh, here's another Tomlinism, seek comfort in it. How about just watching him mature? How about just watching him get better and trusting that there's something better waiting four, five, six games or another year or two down the line. Trust in his ability to get better. Do you see him learn from mistakes, for example? That's a lot of what I saw against the Saints throwing the ball away. There's a reason everybody in that stadium meaning people employed by the Steelers, were citing that above and beyond everything else. Because to them, that was one of those steps up. He had a zero in the interceptions column after having eight through the first four games he played. That's that's a step. That's real. When you see him making good decisions as to when to run the ball, when you see him establishing a stronger sense of when to tuck and run versus what would just be plain old happy feet. When you see him making uh, stronger reads, 
of the other team's safety. This is a really, really, really smart kid. So don't just look at him by, oh, he threw that ball at so-and-so miles an hour, and Ben would have thrown it at this and this and this, meaning the long pass to Deontay Johnson that everyone seems to be enjoying picking apart as to whether or not it mattered what the trajectory or the spin was on the ball, as opposed to the fact that it arrived at its intended target and accounted for a very, very big play in that game. He is capable, eminently capable, of getting better based on what you've seen already is his trajectory from where he was when he was impressing everybody and he was the hero and he was the one you wanted to see in there to now he's a better quarterback than he was a month ago. He'll be a better quarterback a month from now. He'll be a lot better a year from now. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It, it's, it's not about show us some glimpses that you are that finished product somewhere underneath there so that we can believe in you. No, watch him get better. Watch him get better. And if that doesn't convince you, go back and watch tape of Ben in his rookie year and the year after that and ask me, ask me if you see any difference between that quarterback and the one in 2009 that took the Steelers right down the field to beat the Cardinals. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these on Monday. 